Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, sitting in for Mike Adams, here's Sabrina Hill. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to AOA. I'm Sabrina Hill, filling in for Mike Adams this week. Coming up in today's show, I will talk with Val Dulcini of the Pollinator Partnership about efforts to improve pollinator health in the Midwest. We also chat with Harrison Weber, who recently hosted soybean buyers from Mexico on a trip here in the U.S. to see firsthand our production. We'll have that and the day's top news, but we're starting out with a good friend of mine on the phone, Brian Winnikins, a farm broadcaster from Durand, Wisconsin. All right, Brian, thank you so much for taking a few minutes out with us today. What I want to talk with you about is that you and I will be once again speaking together at the upcoming American Farm Bureau Federation annual convention, which is happening in January, uh, in one of your favorite places. Yeah, we're heading to New Orleans. This ought to be a fun time. I've been to New Orleans a couple of times, and... uh, I always like uh, uh, being down uh, downtown and uh, being able to check out the French Quarter, and along with being at the uh, American Farm Bureau Convention. So this will be our third time speaking together. And what we do for for our listeners, what we do is you and I go in and we give a bit of a media training on how to talk with the media. So let's start off with you. And why do you think it's important that people learn how to speak to people like us? Well, I think really the biggest thing, Sabrina, is don't be afraid. Many, 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 many of us in the media are farmers' friends. And not only that, but uh, a lot of folks in the media, they're always looking for a story or looking for an expert on maybe food or, or something like that. And if you can have a great relationship with that person or with any other members of the media, you have a nice resource and, and a place to go to not only tell your story, but also maybe quash some incorrect stories that do get out there. And, of course, everybody knows about social media with fake news. We see that all the time. Now you have somebody that you can go to, and they're going to be able to help you quash that story. Let's talk a little bit about fake news, because that is such a buzzword right now. And there's a lot of mistrust with the media. Now, maybe not so much with people like us. You and I were farm broadcasters. We work with farmers all the time. We're dedicated to helping farmers get their information out correctly, accurately. But sometimes the other media that has no relationship with farming or maybe has um, taken on some bad information, they can put out information that's just incorrect. So what is a good way, do you think, to handle this? Well, first thing I think is is don't approach that person in the media um, that may have had the wrong story. You know, you're You've got fake news or or really be rude or aggressive toward them. They are also doing a job and like it or not, they are human beings and they do make mistakes. And if I've always told folks, if you're respectful, they that person you're being respectful to should return the the respectfulness and, and be respectful back and really, truly want to hear your story. And that's really been the sad part with some of this. Sabrina, that I've seen over the years is we, you know, everybody gets clumped together. Everybody in the media, even even you and I, we get clumped together as, mm-hmm. you know, you're part of the fake media and you're a problem to the country and, and all of that. And that's really not true. No different than no one wants to, you know, farmers and, and ranchers don't want to be, be told that, well, all farmers and ranchers are just bad. Well, that's not true. That's a bunch of baloney. So to me, I think it's really important to just be respectful, be calm, and and tell your side of the story 
and, and, and offer to show that media person why that story they either published or broadcast is either wrong or is inaccurate or whatever reason, and give them a reason to say, hey, okay, wait, we'll correct this. Most reputable, reputable people, yourself, myself, Mike, most of us, all of, not all of us, but most of us in, in the media, if we make a mistake, we're going to fess up to it. We're going to say, you know what, we made a mistake. And, and, and I think we have to give those people a chance to do that. Right. And it's different to understand. I mean, we are all human, so we all do make mistakes. That's different from having a malicious intent. Exactly. And that's, and that's you know, there are, there are folks out there that will use social media maliciously. They know what they're putting out there is wrong. They know what they're saying is going to get an adverse reaction. A lot of people call them trolls or whatever you want. And they have, they have an agenda that they're gonna, we're, we're just going to not tell the whole story and take bits and pieces out to make it look like we're right against dairy or animal agriculture or conventional agriculture or whatever because they're trying to either A, have an agenda, try to move an agenda forward, or B, they're trying to sell something. Right, and their money often is the bottom line. Oh, if you... you bet. <laughs> I mean, look at look at that. I mean, there's there's a lot of times that it's all about the marketing, mm-hmm. and and it's all about the money. And if we can sell extra things by making someone else look bad and, and scaring people, there are some unscrupulous people out there that will take advantage of that. Right. Like I said, this will be our third time presenting together at American Farm Bureau Federation. So, what would you say people can expect if they come to our session? I think they're going to, one, they'll, they'll probably learn a few things. They're going to probably hear um, some interesting stories that you and I have always, <laughs> from, from some of our experiences. One thing, one story that I'm going to uh, talk about is, is uh, during the Minnesota Milk Conference last year, uh, there was a uh, professor um, of public relations from a university in Florida doing a presentation. He was talking about how the anti-animal agriculture groups have taken livestock, hogs, uh, cattle, chickens, sheep, and have, tur- and have made the average person think that they are pets. And there's some really interesting things that he talked about that I'm going to bring up. One of them involves who is a dog lover, and I'll tell you what his version of a dog lover is, but that'll be at the meeting. Very interesting. So you and I will plan more on that um, as we continue to work on our series. So again, that is coming up at the American Farm Bureau Federation's annual convention, which is happening in January in New Orleans, one of Brian Winnikin's favorite places. Hey, Brian, we're going to hear more from you this week as well as the World Dairy Expo gets underway. You want to give us a quick bit about that? Yes, it is. It's the largest uh, dairy expo uh, in uh, the world. There'll be uh, over seventy to 80,000 people there from... Uh, 65 countries uh, at uh, Expo, and not only is uh, the big exhibits and all the learning opportunities, but it's always it's the World Series of Dairy Cattle Judging, as I like to call it, out on the colored shavings in Madison. And uh, if if you win at uh, World Dairy Expo, or you win the, the uh, grand champion, um, you've won the lottery. <laughs> that's how pretty, and that's very serious too. Uh, but with a lot of the dairy farmers, there'll be dairy farmers from all over the country as far as the exception would be potentially alaska and hawaii but even california's there and washington state's there and folks from florida and new york all over the country they'll be converging on madison all this week so we'll have some uh, stories coming from madison
you know, I got to go a couple years ago, as you know, and that was one of the most fascinating things for me to see was that there were dairy producers from just all over the country there. And it was fantastic to talk with them and talk about how the dairy industry is different in different areas. And there also is, there will be a very big contingent of Canadian dairy producers there as well um, that also do show at World Dairy Expo. So there's always been this rivalry between U.S. and Canadian dairy producers uh, on the colored shavings. But we're also going to try and maybe reach out to some of these Canadian dairy producers and talk with them about the current trade situation and the dairy class 7 situation that's kind of holding up the NAFTA talks. And once again, I want to say thank you for joining us, taking some time out of your busy radio schedule, so I appreciate it. You're welcome. Once again, Brian Winnikins from WRDN, Durand, Wisconsin. Filling in for Mike Adams today, I am Sabrina Hill. We'll be back in just a moment with more agriculture news. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes, and you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to, are you? Kids, work, listening to the radio, you're busy, which is great because busy people can't get prediabetes. Oh my, I read that wrong. (laughs) They can. Should have worn my glasses. So visit doihaveprediabetes.org and take a short test because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little... Hi, Jim. Hey. Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no. Wait. A family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, 
Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. information america's farmers and ranchers need to know adams on agriculture now back to mike adams welcome back to aoa i'm sabrina hill filling in for mike adams one topic i love to help bring awareness to is pollinators and how important they are i had the pleasure of talking with val dolcini the president and ceo of pollinator partnership also called P2. Val and I first met in California years ago where I hosted a farm radio show and he was the state director of the USDA Farm Service Agency. He then became the national administrator for the FSA in Washington DC and then took his position at Pollinator Partnership. He now works to maintain pollinator populations through just all kinds of channels. Val, thank you so much for joining us today. You are in California talking with some folks from USDA. Tell us what you're doing out there. Yeah, I'm happy to. You know, Pollinator Partnership does a lot of great work all over the country to support pollinator issues, you know, whether it's the honeybee or the monarch butterfly or any of the thousands of species of native bees. And here in California, what we're trying to do is work with entities like NRCS at the Department of Agriculture to really develop a more robust approach to the population decline of the monarch butterfly. I think most folks are familiar with the migration in the Midwest that begins in the highlands of central Mexico and goes up through corn country into southern Canada. Uh, and more is known about the eastern migration that follows the eastern seaboard. And, you know, there's also a western migration that people are familiar with when they see the overwintering butterflies in places like Pacific Grove. So we work to restore habitat. We work with farmers to uh, make sure that they're planting you know, patches of milkweed and other nectaring plants, which can be gas stations for these migrating monarch butterflies. And that's part of what I'm doing out here. And we had some good meetings yesterday with the state and with the California Farm Bureau Federation and with other organizations who are interested in the same things that we are. There are lots of organizations on the government and non-governmental side that are interested in doing what they can to promote and protect pollinators. And we're happy to be a part of that. Let's talk about the importance of the monarch butterfly. Um, a lot of times when we talk about uh, pollinators, we talk about honeybees, and my, my, I myself right. am guilty of this. But let's talk about why those butterflies are equally important. Well, you know, the monarch is a pollinator. It's not the most efficient pollinator, certainly not like the honeybee, but it's really probably one of the most iconic pollinating species. And there has been just a tremendous population decline in the last couple of decades, as much as 90%, according to some scientists. So losing that species or seeing it decline, you know, to the levels that it is today is something that we should all be really concerned about because in many cases, Sabrina pollinators are a keystone species and the health of a given population of pollinators means that the local ecosystem is probably healthy and appropriately biodiverse as well. So. That's why it's important to do what we can to ensure that we're providing enough habitat for these butterflies, which migrate hundreds and sometimes thousands of miles over the course of several generations. 
and P2 has been involved in monarch issues for a lot of years in the Midwest. We've got really successful programs in Ohio and in several other states there, and we're hopeful that we can develop the same interest uh, and enthusiasm for protecting the species here in California, and I think that we'll be able to do that. You talked about milkweed a bit. Let's touch on that a little bit more and why this is such an important plant for those uh, monarchs. Milkweed is absolutely essential because it's the plant that the monarch butterfly feeds off of, and it also lays its eggs on the milkweed plant. And it's really the only species that the monarch focuses on uh, like that. So that's why it's so important to have native milkweed plants along these migratory routes. And in places like California, you know, there could be a different milkweed in a different county. So it's really important that, uh, you know, organizations like ours and government agencies like the Natural Resources Conservation Service have done enough of the science around, you know, the types of plants needed for you know, the central coast of California versus northern California versus the deserts of southern California. So the milkweed is really key, but you also want nectaring plants incorporated into that seed mix, and nectaring plants can be viewed as kind of the gas station for these butterflies that may fly as many as 25 miles in a day and may migrate as far as five or 600 miles from California, for example, into Idaho and thousands of miles in the case of the Midwestern monarch. And with that, with milkweed, with nectaring plants, with other pollinating plants, you're bringing in not only other pollinators, but other beneficial insects. And that's something that the farmers really like, too. So it's a win for the monarch. It's a win for other pollinators. And it's certainly a win for the farmers who derive benefits from the bees that are attracted, as well as other beneficial insects. And, and something that uh, is a win-win-win is really a great thing to be a part of. For our farmer listeners, how can they get involved with helping monarchs and other pollinators as well? You know, I think our website is a great place to start. We've got all kinds of free resources uh, on our website at pollinator, www.pollinator.org. Uh, we've got eco-regional planting guides, which help uh, folks who are maybe backyard gardeners, but also maybe farmers who are interested in planting hedgerows or learning the things that grow well in their part of the world. They type in their zip code and up comes a planning guide for the Central Plains or the Central Coast of California or, you know, the Delmarva Peninsula near Washington, D.C. So there are lots of good resources on that website. And there's also good science. We're an organization that's focused on good science, which, you know, is the foundation for good practical outcomes that make sense on the ground for for farmers, for ranchers, for backyard gardeners, and others. And so our website's a great place to start. All right. And while I have you on the phone, is there any update to bees and bee health that you can give us? Well, you know, we are going to sponsor, as we have for the last 17 years, some meetings in October, uh, the meetings of the Na North American Pollinator Protection Campaign, otherwise known as NAPSI. We've sponsored those meetings now for the last 17 years, and in mid-October, we'll sponsor the 18th version of that. A part of what we do at NAPSI, in addition to convening task forces on uh, topics that range from urban agriculture to native bumblebees, we sponsor a lot of scientific research around honeybee health. And so we look forward to talking with some young researchers that we've funded over the last year to hear about their latest developments on uh, honeybee health research. 
We have just concluded our second annual Mitathon, which is a week in September that encourages beekeepers around the country to try and determine the level of varroa mites in their hives. And we're still parsing the numbers on that, so I don't have any reports for you. But, you know, it just gives beekeepers, whether they're commercial beekeepers or sideliners or backyard hobbyists, uh, a better way to determine the health of their hive. And that's really key for, you know, all kinds of beekeepers around the country. I think, you know, hive health goes up and down around the nation, depending on the time of year and depending on climactic issues. Certainly it's been a challenge for beekeepers in the Carolinas for obvious reasons. But, uh, you know, in the area where I live around Washington and out here in California, I think hives have been reasonably healthy and Honeybees are another species that everybody is familiar with. It's an iconic ambassador for all pollinators, and, you know, they're absolutely essential to our food systems. Those meetings that you have in Washington, D.C. in October, you talk about research for honeybee health. What are some of the other topics that you'll hit on during that time? Um, We're going to talk certainly about monarch issues. We're going to talk about vegetation management and plants that uh, are particularly good for pollinators. We'll talk about native bee health, which is a key issue for, you know, folks all around the country. The attendees for this meeting range from land-grant universities to federal land managers to, uh, you know, interested citizens to folks who, you know, just want to learn more about what they can do to support pollinator health in their communities. And This year, our meetings will be at USDA, which is a great place to convene them because USDA obviously does a lot of wonderful work, whether it's the NRCS folks or APHIS or, you know, some of the people that work on uh, basic research issues. All right. And we'll try to keep updated on what happens there as well. Anything else that you'd like for our listeners to know about, Val? You know, the work of P2 is really... uh, widespread. And, you know, we range from working with private companies to private citizens and everything in between. It's really uh, an issue that there's a lot of goodwill around these days. You know, we're the group that protects pollinators, and there's a lot of interest in protecting pollinators all across North America. So we're happy to, you know, bring people together for meetings like the one that I just described or smaller convocations of folks, uh, you know, here in California or in the Midwest or other places where we do work. What was your web address one more time? The web address is www.pollinator.org. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking some time with us today, Val. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to visit with you. Thank you again to Val Dolcini, President and CEO of Pollinator Partnership. You're listening to AOA. I'm Sabrina Hill filling in for Mike Adams. We'll be back in just a moment. on-road or off-road, you'll find the FS lubricant you need from our full line of premium quality products. At FS, our lubricants use the highest quality base oils and latest additive technology to meet and exceed most manufacturers' specifications. Advanced protection against wear ensures you'll get maximum value for both your lubricant and equipment investments. 
Squeeze every bit of performance out of every piece of equipment you own. Let the FS Energy Specialists help you go further. Go further with FS. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. For the grain and oil seed sector, we are backpedaling on this Tuesday after Monday's rally. USDA said Monday afternoon that the U.S. soybean harvest slowed down a little bit last week while the nation's corn harvest continued to move ahead. As of Sunday, 26% of the nation's corn crop harvested nine points ahead of the five-year average. Soybean harvest slowing down a bit last week. As of Sunday, 23% of the crop in the bin, just three points ahead of the five-year average. We rallied in soybeans on Monday, on this Tuesday, bending a fraction to a penny and a fraction lower. November beans surged to a firmer close to begin the week. The short-term moving average picture said to be bullish for November. The market trading above its 10-day and 20-day moving averages to begin the week, hovering near 8.56, the 40-day moving average on this Tuesday. In corn, December blasted to a sharply higher close on Monday. On the upside, December corn is approaching a test of last week's high at 366 and three quarters. Ag weather forecast calling for moderate to heavy rain and cool weather to cover the western Midwest this week. That combination unfavorable for the harvest. Eastern Midwest areas will have drier and milder conditions. Winter wheat said to be 28% planted nationwide, according to USDA. We're trending three lower in Chicago and Kansas City wheat on this Tuesday, fraction to a penny higher in Minneapolis spring wheat. Live cattle trending 60 to 85 cents lower, 50 to 85 lower in feeder cattle. Lean hogs near steady to 77 lower. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to AOA. I'm Sabrina Hill filling in for Mike Adams this week. 
We have a quick farm bill update for you before we get into our next interview. The chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Mike Conaway, says he intends to work through the October congressional recess in an effort to get the kinks in a new farm bill worked out. I've committed to my colleagues, I'll be in D.C. every day in the month of October that we need to to make this thing, get this thing done. There's no real reason why we shouldn't get it done if we're just talking about those policy items because we know what they are, we know what resources we have. It's just a matter of making the decisions, which will be hard because we'll have to reset some priorities. But uh, I think we get this thing done and vote it on the lame duck and be ready to, to start the new year with it. I know a lot of folks were trying to argue it's just SNAP, but it is all 12 titles. I can't agree. We don't have policy agreements across all 12 titles. Some are easier than others, but they're all meaningful. But none of them, either individually or collectively, are enough that says we should not be able to get this done. Pressure will mount as permanent law threat begins to emerge on January uh, 1st. But uh, I think we get this done. It's just a matter of coming to grips with hard decisions. Conway says he's not sure how hard it will be to get the new farm bill passed during the lame duck session of Congress. You know, there's a lot of conversation that the Democrats will take control of the House and we'll switch chairman. The guy that would benefit the most from that, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but the guy that would benefit the most is uh, Colin Peterson. And he, to his credit, has openly said over and over and over that, no, he wants this one done in 18. If, even if he's the chair in, in calendar 19, he does not want the farm bill uh, rolling over. And so, uh, you know, I, I can't speak to the Pat and uh, Debbie Stabenow, Pat Robertson and Debbie Stabenow. They've not said anything other than they want to get it done. But at least the guy who would benefit the most from waiting on the election has said, no, let's get this done. Andy says there's no real need to worry on farmers' part about the legislation. Well, we've had expired farm bills before. They're worried now. I, you know, they're worried about trade. They're worried about commodity prices. And, yes, they're worried about the farm bill. The one piece of this that, that we have control over that plate of worry that they're trying to deal with is the farm bill. And we should have been able to get that off their plate. We should have been able to get that done on time, and but we didn't. And I'm stunningly disappointed that we didn't get it done on time because I can't do anything about the trade issue near term. I can't do anything about commodity prices, but we could have fixed the next five-year farm bill so that they had the assurance and confidence as to what that would look like and no longer have to worry about it. They know we'll get it done, but we should have got it done on time, and I'm disappointed we didn't. But uh, if we, the quicker we get the, the farm bill done, then their anxiety levels will be just modestly less than they are currently right now. That's House Agriculture Committee Chairman Mike Conaway. Turning now to another top topic, trade. Industry groups of all kinds work to establish new trading partners and improve trade relations with the partners we currently have. One of those groups is the North Dakota Soybean Council, which just hosted soybean buyers from Mexico. We're talking on the phone now with Harrison Weber, the council's director of market development. I wanted to talk to you about the Mexican buyers that you had in town. Tell us a little bit about their visit here and what you guys did. Absolutely, uh, Sabrina. Well, uh, as you know, the North Dakota Soybean Council is the uh, uh, 12 uh, board that's led by 12 elected farmers throughout uh, the state of North Dakota. And it's the council's role to invest uh, the, the North Dakota soybean checkoff resources to become the leading soybean supplier uh, really in the world for the benefits of for the benefit of our uh, producers and one of the ways that uh, we do that or is working on behalf of our farmers is by bringing trade teams to our region and connecting our foreign uh, customers with producers so uh, late last week we uh, we actually had a group in from from mexico and uh, we had nine participants there and um, it was it was kind of capping off our fall uh, trade team uh, uh, season, I guess, and so they were kind of our last group in the region, but um, we were excited to host them and, and had a, a great uh, day with them. 
What were some of the things that they were uh, specifically interested in? Well, the uh, the group from from Mexico, as I mentioned, was nine nine buyers. We had um, the uh, the largest beef company in Mexico. We had a dairy association, several uh, poultry companies, and a few shuttle people. And and they were very interested with our, our very clean fields uh, as we were driving on nine, I ninety four and um, going to Western Cass County. There, they were pointing out the, the lack of weeds in our fields and, and very, very impressed with that. Uh, they were also impressed with our naturally high essential amino acid profile in our soybeans with uh, the technical data that, that we're able to provide them. So, and then also the, uh, the infrastructure investments that we've been making, um, you know, as our, our, our more private investments, but um, they're very impressed with the the elevator facilities as well as our, our rail facilities and, and um, our, our general infrastructure with our highways and, and uh, roads getting the product to market. So, All right. And so can you compare? I know that you had some buyers from the Philippines in a couple of weeks ago. Can you compare um, the two visits? Um, yeah. So it, it, each country, we've hosted over 80 different um, soybean companies throughout the, the world, uh, representing from 14 different countries, and I'd say uh, one of the biggest differences um, would have to be on on like in the Philippines, they've never never seen anything like like our uh, grain shuttle facilities here. So when they come, they're you know you, their eyes get really really big and and are are impressed with our storage capabilities and and you know they they virtually have no uh infrastructure like like we have um, the group from mexico uh, maybe were representatives or are representatives of some uh, more sophisticated um, uh, companies and so they're maybe used to some of our facilities a little bit more but um certainly you know a lot of overlap in, in the questioning but you can tell uh once we get down to the nitty-gritty their their questions do uh, vary quite a bit actually what were some of the other countries that came to visit over the last few months? Well, we had Malaysia, Thailand, uh, Myanmar, uh, the Philippines, of course. Um, we did have uh, a couple from China. They were domestic, U.S. domestic staffers, uh, but were, were here. Uh, they came. We had, uh, let's see, I'm just trying to think, uh, Mexico, of course, uh, recently. Um, I'm just kind of going off the top of my head here. Uh, oh, and then we had a, a, a group from South Korea that uh, represented. Uh, they were they were oil buyers, soybean oil buyers, but they represented about 80% of their country's imports uh, for soybeans, and so they were a, a big group that we also had. So, so a lot of variety there. Yeah, you know, um, we don't in North Dakota. We don't do a lot of. Um, we don't have many processing uh, plants here, and so. We do rely on a lot of whole bean exporting, but a lot of countries um, are very interested in, in beginning to source from our region for oil and meal. And so we do bring in meal and oil companies, uh, but they're, like I mentioned, they're, they're very excited to, for the opportunity to begin sourcing whole beans uh, for their products. So. so the group from China, that must have been an interesting visit. Yeah, you know, they were, uh, like I said, they were domestic um, domestic. Uh, uh, soybean, or they were uh, domestic staffers here, and um, you know, again, very, very interested in um, what what we have up in our region. You know, it was a very good uh, good conversation. We had our, our several farmers involved with it, and you know, we're continuing to 
uh, work on those relationships in the event that the uh, the two governments are able to get together and you know work past their differences. Um, they you know we understand and they understand that it's um, you know between them at that level, but they understand that our uh, relationships are important and are excited to you know always meet us and and we're able to greet them with a smile yet so so in your your position there with the soybean group how important is it would you say to bring these these buyers and other people in from other countries to see what we actually have oh it's uh, extremely important Um, anytime we can get our farmers uh, with some of our customers here makes a big impact for us when we can get our customers on the farm, hands in the in the dirt, really, and, and grabbing the soybeans and climbing around the equipment. That makes a big difference for our farmers and uh, for them as well as buyers. They get to see what, what's going on. They, they begin to build trust with who's developing their product and who's growing it, really. And just like we do business in the U.S. here, we like to meet the people that we're doing. Oftentimes, we like to meet the people we're doing business with and shake hands and get to know them, and, and they like to do that on the, the international level as well. Many times when they're here, they'll they'll ask, well, do you know so-and-so from uh, another, you know, region, maybe in Minnesota, northern Minnesota or something, a farmer or, or uh, somebody from another group, and, and it's kind of exciting to see that type of relationship. And oftentimes we do know each other, and that makes them feel uh, even that much better that uh, we're all connected here in the, the soybean world. All right, Harrison, can you think of anything else that you'd like for our listeners to know about these trips or their importance? Yeah, well, uh, one other thing, Sabrina, that we we do here with the council and with many of our trips is we work very closely with the Northern Crops Institute to offer uh, some technical education courses. Uh, Sometimes they're able to overlap with the trade team visits and and other times we kind of incorporate some farm visits with uh, Northern Crops Institute's work with the courses. And these courses really help connect all the dots in the, the marketing chain for us and uh, really give them uh, as customers a first-hand look at the the best product and as well as our advanced supply chain and uh, getting to learn some more of that higher level education pieces for them and and uh, it makes a a big difference for for both our growers and then them as buyers so this continuing education keeping people informed about it very important yep it's uh very, very important. We, we like to hit on a lot of times on our naturally high essential amino acid profile. Traditionally, soybeans are, are marketed on the, the global scale on crude protein, which is really only an estimate of uh, the total amino acids, uh, which are based on uh, the level of nitrogen detected. And it really doesn't tell anything and tell nutritionists about the, the quantity of each amino acid or the balance of, of those essential to non-essential amino acids. And so that's one of the, the pieces that we hit in those uh, educational courses with NCI is the value of buying on, a, on, a, on the essential amino acids uh, for them to improve their animal health and then also uh, their margins, really, which uh, whenever they can improve their margins, they're excited about it. Harrison Weber, North Dakota Soybean Council Director of Market Development. This is AOA. I'm Sabrina Hill. We'll be back in just a moment.
Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Paraswabs, Swabs risk free. Call 866 504 That's 866 504 I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk free today. 866 504 866 504 Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. 
Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Sabrina Hill. Welcome back to AOA. We have an update on the day's news for you now. The updated North American Free Trade Agreement has many procedural hurdles to pass before farmers and ranchers can see any benefits. President Trump called the agreement a promise kept regarding his trade agenda as NAFTA will become the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Free Trade Agreement, or USMCA. This new deal is an especially great victory for our farmers. Our farmers have gone through a lot over the last 15 years. They've been taken advantage of by everybody. Prices have gone way down. And we're working on some other deals that are going to make them very happy also. But this is a very, very in Canada will be opened up a lot more than they are now. And I think there'll be a better spirit between the three countries, which is important for our farmers. The agreement will give our farmers and ranchers far greater access to sell American-grown produce in Mexico and in Canada. The deal includes a substantial increase in our farmers' opportunities to export American wheat, poultry, eggs, and dairy, including milk, butter, cheese, yogurt, and ice cream, to name a few. I want to be very specific. I want to be very specific, right? And many other products, but those products uh, were not really being treated fairly as far as those that worked so hard to produce them, and now they're going to be treated fairly. The late-night announcement Sunday allows the Trump administration to beat a self-set deadline. The administration must allow for a statutory 60-day notification period before sending a deal to Congress. Given the way the timeline works under the Trade Promotion Authority, the administration set a deadline at the end of September to complete the talks to allow Mexico's outgoing president to sign the pact before a new administration takes over. However, Politico reports that if the U.S. House of Representatives switches leadership to Democrats, the chamber may be inclined to vote against the Trump win in 2019, when the agreement will likely be before Congress. House Pelosi said House Democrats would, quote, closely scrutinize the text of the NAFTA proposal. Meanwhile, U.S. agriculture is applauding the agreement. Several agricultural organizations issued statements supporting the news, and U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue had this. The great news of a new USMCA deal is important for our economy as a whole, but especially for our agricultural sector, which counts Canada and Mexico in our top three trading partners. I've long said that I believe our country is right in the middle of the best neighborhood on earth, 
North America our South. We've secured greater access to these vital markets and will maintain and improve the highly productive integrated agricultural relationship. One of the President's top goals, this deal eliminates Canada's unfair Class 7 milk pricing scheme, cracks open additional access to Canada, and imposes new disciplines on Canada's supply management system. The agreement also preserves and expands critical poultry and egg producers and addresses Canada's discriminatory wheat process to help U.S. wheat growers along the border. As we celebrate this breakthrough, it's worth noting that there were many detractors who said it couldn't be done. But this is further proof that President strategy is working. As Secretary Purdue mentioned, dairy is among the industries that will especially benefit from the new agreement. In fact, U.S. dairy farmers got what needed to drop its complex Class 7 quota and pricing system, which limits imports of certain dairy products from the U.S. Representative Roger Marshall of Kansas went so far as to say dairy is, quote, absolutely the biggest winner as far as agriculture goes. In other trade news this morning, the American Soybean Association warning to its members this week that if current trade conflicts are not resolved soon, some U.S. export markets could be sacrificed. Dennis Guy reports from Canada. Some U.S. export markets could be sacrificed. The market the ASA is most worried about right now is China. Chinese buyers are aggressively pursuing new avenues for soybeans, as well as alternative protein crops. Brazil is the most obvious beneficiary. However, Canadian producers are also benefiting from China's shifting buying patterns. Canada is not a huge soybean producer, but it is a viable exporter. As well, Canada is a big producer and exporter of a soy alternative, canola. John DePutter is a longtime commodity analyst and publisher of the Canadian Ag Alert newsletters. DePutter is no fan of tariff-driven trade wars. He says that a tariff mentality is a simple recipe of short-term gains for long-term pain. And right now, Canadian oilseed producers are cashing in on some of those gains. Well, if you're looking for a silver lining to this cloud, the canola market in Western Canada is trading at one of the widest premiums over soybeans in many years. I believe behind that widespread is Chinese demand for Canadian canola. Another silver lining is for soybean producers in Manitoba and Saskatchewan relative to North Dakota prices at very wide levels. We believe this is part soybeans. Now if it sounds to you like this Canadian is not jumping for joy over such a market windfall, he is well known as a conservative analyst within the Canadian grain trade. Nearly 40 years agricultural industry has developed into a worldwide integrated distribution system and no one is about to change John DePutter's mind that trade wars are nothing short of a recipe for economic disaster. What trade wars do, they interfere with the 
efficiency of moving the grain that we produce, the meat we produce, and so forth to other countries that have developed over the past years. This is a global industry that has become fine-tuned. It has benefited exporting nations like Canada, but it has also had a benefit to nations that import. And so this just interferes with the shipping patterns. It's against the best interests of efficiency. It boils down as being, in my view, a net negative. John DePutter is a market analyst and publisher of AgAlert newsletters for both an Eastern and Western Canadian agribusiness clientele. Reporting from Canada, I'm Dennis Guy. That's our show for today. Tune in tomorrow when we dive deep into the markets with Rusty Halverson and Mike Miner. I'm Sabrina Hill filling in for Mike Adams. Thanks for listening.